0: He's a retired Colorado Springs Police Department detective lieutenant. He's star of the Investigation Discovery Channel television series, Homicide Hunter. He's got an amazing 92% clearance rate in homicide investigations, and he's authored a new book, and he's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host, my name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. Download our free app. Calling us on the phone, we have the one, the only, Lieutenant Joe Kenda, star of the Investigation Discovery Channel series, Homicide Hunter. He's a retired police detective lieutenant, and he's uh, well-known for catchphrases like, well, my, my, my. He's also author of a new book. I'll talk about it in a moment. Joe, thanks for being a guest on the show. This is very much appreciated.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's very kind of you.
0: I have wanted to have you on for a very long time. I got to tell you a little story. My wife, of course, uh, we're big fans of your show, and she, we're watching it. I'm like doing something on the phone or uh, Facebook or something. And she's like, I just love the way this guy talks. And I'm like, honey. And I said, it's a very nice, complimentary way. I said, He talks like all the cops I know, all the really good ones. <laughs> it's just to the point. There's not a lot of bravado. There's not a lot of tough guy stuff. It's just, hey, he talks like a regular cop, and he talks my language, and I love that.
1: Thank you very much.
0: It's a pleasure now, to there's see.
1: There's none you. of that. Uh, there's none of the bravado, none of the nonsense that goes with it. It's, just, it's the way I am. They wanted me to have a script when I first started the show, and I, look, I looked at this guy, and he had fifty pounds of paper. He dropped in my lap. We're at, on the West Coast in, in Hollywood in Los, in Los Angeles, and I said, "What is that?" that's your script i said did anyone tell you i'm not an actor i'm a policeman well yeah they did but i mean that's your, i said hey i got over playing dress up when i was five you should have too and that really off which i knew it would i meant to and i said i'll tell you what you turn that camera on i'll tell you about this murder case for 15 minutes you don't like what i say then we'll talk about this script and he said, all right. And he's angry. He's ready not to like what I say. They turned the camera on. I spoke for 15 minutes. I stopped. I stood up. I said, is that what you had in mind? And he replied, we don't need that script. <laughs> and there hasn't been one since.
0: That's phenomenal. And it's safe to say that there's, I don't want to say a love-hate relationship between police and the media, but we're not always buzzing buddies. Of course not especially in news media, no. they never seem to get the stories right. And uh, one thing I hated in my career was interviewing people. And funny thing is when I retired from police work, I started pursuing a career in radio a few years after that. So when I do interviews, they're not scripted and it's real casual because I tell people in real life, people don't have scripted conversations. They just talk. Exactly. So before, exactly. We, before we get into your story, tell us about your new book.
1: The new book is titled Killer Triggers, and the premise of it is what happens that would cause a reasonably normal person who has little or no criminal history to suddenly kill another human being, and in some cases, multiple numbers of human beings. What is the emotional trigger that set that ball of violence in motion? Now, we're all accustomed to the money, sex, and drugs angle because those are the most common. Drugs being the most common, 65% of all homicides in this country occur because of narcotics disputes. But there are many reasons why people do that. And this book delves into other reasons as well, including dementia, which is where someone's personality changes as a result of a series of small strokes, common in dementia patients. They suddenly become aggressive. They become violent. They become hateful. Things that people can see happening and don't understand how bad it's going to become. So if anything else people can take from this book, some danger signals in their own family. See someone behave like this guy behaves in chapter three of this book. They need professional help and they need it right away. And ignoring it and believing it's going to go away might result in you going away from multiple gunshot wounds.
0: The sad thing is, it does happen, and, and more than likely, if you're going to be attacked in a violent crime, it's by someone you know. And if it, you're going to be killed, it's be someone very close to you. It's very rare Absolutely. stranger on stranger homicides.
1: Absolutely, five percent on average over the years, about five percent of all murders are stranger killings, and some of those are unintentional. Guy walking down the street takes a stray round meant for somebody else, but ninety five percent of the time. It's someone you know that you're in love with, have a business relationship with, something. Contact of yours, not a stranger.
0: And one of the big misconceptions that I say to people all the time, some, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life were killers, and they were admitted killers, they were found guilty, they confessed to it, they're doing their time, but they had five or 10 bad minutes of their life and the rest of life, they were sterling individuals. It was almost as if they flipped a switch.
1: You do encounter that. I've encountered that. I put a guy in prison for murder, and he would file appeals because he had nothing else to do, and he's in the law library in the prison suing everybody and his brother all the time. He got pretty good at it. His motion and uh, his motive, really, was to get out of jail for a day, look at the girls, say hello to everybody, I see him in a courthouse in Colorado Springs. He's there with two guards from the penitentiary in belly chains. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm fine. He said, you must be doing well, kind of. It's a nice suit. You on overtime? I said, absolutely. Interesting personality. It's like affable guy, friendly, very nice, and stone cold at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I've not been able to figure it out. And I can't describe to people who haven't been around killers. And... In a way that they would understand. uh, Uh, But you do a good job of that. When you do the television show, you do a really good job. One one of the great things that you do, uh, and the show does, is that it clearly illustrates, in my opinion, how you follow a trail of evidence. You may have suspicions about someone, but if the evidence isn't there, it's not there. Correct.
1: Absolutely correct. Criminal investigation has never changed. It is one foot in front of the other. What can we learn from this individual that says he is or is not part of this crime? That has never stopped. There are advances in forensics. There's DNA, which is remarkable, and all those sorts of things. But bottom line is, evidence doesn't kill people. People kill people. And your instincts about human nature and your instincts about the evidence you discover is the key to solving a case, The other key is to let the evidence drive the theory and not the other way around. A mistake a lot of people make is they establish a theory on the way to the crime scene. They believe they know what happened here. Well, were you here when this happened? Well, no. Then you don't know anything, do you?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Let's see where this goes. One of the things, and
0: I I think that's where that phrase you have, the well, my, my, pops up. We return... Our conversation with Joe Kenda, we're going to talk about his background, how he got in law enforcement, and some surprising things you may not know about him, which I think are pretty cool, and I think pretty common about law enforcement people. This is a Law Enforcement Show. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. we got versions for your Android and iPhone devices 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Being switched on is a daily decision. The Switched On Life podcast provides life-saving tips for the entire family. No matter where you play or pray, stay switched on. Go to Switched On Life to learn more return a conversation with the homicide hunter himself retired police detective lieutenant joe kenda uh, by the way uh, besides starring in the show doing a career in law enforcement he's also author of a new book called killer triggers and i believe you can just do a google search find it on amazon or wherever books are sold right now and i wish you the best success with that book
1: well, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I think it's a useful thing. I think it's something people can learn from about how human nature works in the worst of circumstances. How violent crime occurs in some cases. And who's responsible for it, and more importantly, why. The police are in the who, what, where, when, and how business. <clears throat> They're really in the why business. It's a jury question as to why this happened. But I was always interested in why because it leads me to who. Once it's who, I don't care about why anymore. But the why question is answered in this book. And that's the interesting part of it. And I wrote it in such a way it's conversational. It's like I'm sitting on your sofa and telling you a story. It's very different. And I'm proud of it. I wrote it five times and threw it away. I wrote it a six time and I thought it was pretty good.
0: Did you ever see yourself when you were a young policeman? We all started in patrol, most of us. And did you see yourself, okay, 30 years later, I'm going to be on television, I'll be an author?
1: Absolutely not. That anybody that says they did is either lying or insane. <laughs> or of <both>. course not. <laughs> I was worried about where we are going to buy the groceries when I was a young policeman. My wife took my son to the doctor and was informed that he needs his tonsils out. She said, well, I know, but we have pretty bad health insurance. What's your husband do? Well, he's a city policeman. What's he make? She told him. And he said, you, you realize you live under the poverty line? Yeah. And she said, I thought there was something wrong with this.
0: <laughs> That's about what it was for That's the younger, that girl in baltimore it was so bad i would eat macaroni and cheese like five nights a week ramen noodles and i had to have a roommate to have an apartment it was not like what they showed in these hollywood movies i didn't have a million dollar loft apartment in a fancy sports car
1: no nobody does that i know nobody does that i know
0: and and most people going to police work is not for money anyway what was your motivation for getting into law enforcement
1: my motivation was quite simple i wanted to do something that i could do and rise or fall on my own merit and have some impact on my small corner of the world it all started i was nine years old we were in in pittsburgh my parents decided to take me to the zoo we lived 30 miles outside of pittsburgh in a coal mining town about as big as your office and we were going to go to the zoo the pittsburgh zoo And that is a huge deal in the kid world. You're going to go see wild animals, for God's sake. So off we go, and I am fired up. We get to the primate house, and there's a sign that says, around this corner is the most dangerous animal on earth. And everybody rushes around the corner, including me, and it's a mirror from ceiling to floor. And everybody's disappointed. I wasn't disappointed. I thought it was an epiphany. The sign said you're looking at the most dangerous animal. And I learned that to be absolutely true. And that got me interested in thinking about what could I do to improve upon the condition of the world and maybe stop a little violence or at least punish people for doing it. And I decided that homicide was the worst crime because we'll do the worst to you if you commit it. We'll put you in jail forever or we will kill you. And I wanted to do that on to investigate homicide and i tailored my career in such a way as to give me at least an opportunity to apply for a homicide investigation within the investigation division of the police department and i was fortunate i not only got there but it turns out i wasn't too bad at it
0: and i stayed there for my entire career i'd say you're more than very good at it. Uh, you're excellent. I, I read online you had a clearance rate of about 92% for the cases you're involved in. That's correct. That's amazing. That's an amazing number because we had different types of homicides. Most of the ones I got that I caught and I arrested people for, uh, they knew that the victim knew the, uh, or was related to the suspect and the, the, the evidence was obvious and you could pick them out. The red balls are the ones that are politically motivated. You can't really you don't have a lot of witnesses you don't have a lot of evidence and, and they get national attention sure and getting people to talk and getting evidence that's the hard part especially seems to me nowadays to getting people that the they'll they'll talk about what they know what they saw uh, instead of trying to handle themselves
1: oh of course the, the the interesting thing is i i think the difference with me i'm not smarter than anybody else i'm just more determined i wouldn't quit I worked one case for nine years and I turned it. And two guys are doing life without as a result. It's about realizing it's a mission and not a job. You cannot kill one of my taxpayers and get away with it. It's against the law. And I am going to find you. And 92% of the time I did, now there's two ways to look at that. You could say, well, he's a really smart guy that solved 92% of his cases Or he's a dumb guy who doesn't know who killed 8% of the people. It all depends on how you look at it. But I did my very best in every case. And uh, I get tortured by the ones I didn't solve.
0: I was going to ask you that. It's the ones that we, and I hate to say this, usually we have an idea, a strong suspicion. We know who did it, but we can't get the evidence to bring charges and bring them to court. That's correct.
1: Now of the 31 cases I had, I had 17 that I was convinced I knew. I was also convinced I knew I couldn't prove it. And then I had another group that I thought I was probably pretty sure who did it. And I had a handful that all I thought was somebody on earth at the time. There's just nothing there. Nothing, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much you do, no matter how many people you talk to, no matter how many times you start over, if it's not there, it's just not there. Nobody hears him, nobody sees him. There's no trace evidence. There's no connection you can locate between the perpetrator and the victim. It's impossible and it's maddening. There's no worse feeling in the world. And you have nowhere to but on go. The other hand, on the other hand, there's no better feeling. When you go to any homicide, The perpetrator is a shadow in the night. You have no idea. Adult, kid, man, woman, who knows? The moment when it happens that you have a first, middle, last name and date of birth for the shadow is absolutely euphoric. And I lived for those moments.
0: We are talking with Lieutenant, Retired Lieutenant Joe Kenda, star of Homicide Hunter, Retired Police Detective Lieutenant. And also author of the book, Killer Triggers. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. That's right, you can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the L.E.T. Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu. Or download our free app today at letradioshow.com dot back to our conversation with the homicide hunter himself retired police detective lieutenant Joe Kenda also author of the book killer triggers on the law enforcement today show Joe for winter break we were talking about the successes and the failures and, and I'm there are still cases that bother me because we never could solve them uh, and quite often they were cases that involved young children who were the victims of a horrific crime. And sometimes they're by strangers. And we thought we knew who did it, but we never could prove it. And my friends that I worked with the Baltimore Police Department, if I got in a, a group that we're all in and I mentioned that name, at least 30 will cuss me out, like, why'd you bring that up? You know, because then I'll think about her for months and months and months. Uh, those things don't go away.
1: No, they don't. They never do. No matter how much you'd like them to, they don't. i That's my issue. I don't forget. And more importantly, I don't forgive either. So it's very difficult. It's the worst possible feeling. And I suffer with it for a long, all those years. Still do. I have nightmares. I have all that. The PTSD syndrome and so on. Yeah, I've got that. You bet. I think the we, price you pay for the work.
0: I, I think everybody's been involved in law enforcement for a career is going to have issues. I have those issues, and there was a time in my life where I thought the ideal situation for me would be to live on a mountaintop, like in West Virginia, about thirty miles from a town, surrounded by barbed wire and surveillance cameras, uh, so I could be, <laughs> I could be social when I needed to, and then get away from everybody when I didn't want to. Uh, and, and they say like COVID. You know, go to work, go home, and stay. Keep your distance from people. I'm like that's right up my alley. I'm totally cool with that.
1: Me too. It's yeah. It's uh, I understand completely. That's why I live where I live. I live on 22 acres of ground out in the middle of nowhere, and my only neighbors are animals—possums and um, bear. Occasionally, I see on the driveway, but they're more afraid of me than you are of it. So, it is interesting. It's just uh, you. It's something you. You develop an aversion to it. I don't know you and I don't want to know you becomes the issue. And yeah. that annoys my wife to no end. Yeah. But that's how it is. Just how it is. Mine gets annoyed, you know, it's interesting. too. In, in, in London, England, in 1856, the London Metropolitan Police opened Scotland Yard, the first investigative service in the world plainclothes policemen. It was so named because it was the building they put them in. That was the name of the building, the Scotland Yard. In 1971, they moved it to a new building in Westminster, in, close to downtown London. And hence it was called New Scotland Yard, which it still is to this day. But in the original building, there was a stone over the door and they moved that stone, because it was emblazoned with their symbol, a saying of the London Metropolitan Police. And they installed it over the door of New Scotland Yard. And it says, only them that's been there knows. And that explains everything
0: about it. Absolutely does. And for those who don't, there's no explanation possible. You said earlier, your wife gets irritated. My wife gets very irritated. But she's also very understanding. She knows my limits. And when I start showing her that I've exceeded my limitations, she's very good at making sure we do what I need to do to be back to my normal center?
1: Of course. I met my wife in high school. We've been together for 53 years. She's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Irishman with a temper-legged chain Yep.
0: Well, that's And I me.
1: don't understand her, but I'm working on that. <laughs> and uh, we get along great. And she's the same way. She informs me when I'm being stupid. And she's always right. And uh, kind of brings me back to normal for a little while. Uh, And she's been good for me, and I've been good for her.
0: In the police world, and I blame us a lot, Joel, for people's misunderstandings about what we go through because we have not been telling our stories. And this is one thing I love about you. You do a great job of telling your story, and you do it in a way where people who aren't part of law enforcement can understand. We've relied on Hollywood. We rely on the news media to tell our stories. They're so biased, uh, and they don't understand. Is there one part of policing that you think the vast majority of Americans just don't get, don't understand?
1: I think they don't understand what it's like to walk into a situation where everyone is at their emotional peak. They are enraged. They are perspiring. They are threatening their loved ones. And you arrive, you don't know anybody in his room. And you are somehow expected, for little or no money, and the slings and arrows of the press and everything that goes with it, to somehow resolve this. Because after all, you are a marksman, a pugilist, a marriage counselor, a psychiatrist, a priest. You're all these kinds of things. And you're all mixed together in that. And you'll just have to deal with this. And the average person has never been in that situation. And a policeman is in it every 15 minutes. It's a difficult line of work. It's something you have to consider before you raise your hand of what you're getting involved in. And I considered it and I decided to accept that challenge because if someone does something unspeakable to someone else, you have two choices. You can remain seated or you can stand up. And I always stood up. I've always been proud of that.
0: And rightfully so. Uh, There's an old saying we used to say, here's us and those like us. And when I say that, look, when I started in in 1980, we had uh, men, women, all races, all sexual identifications, all religions, and no one ever cared. All all the cops I worked with, no one cared. We care, you do your job, you handle your calls, and if I need help, if there's a bad call, you show up. That was all we cared about. Don't do anything criminal or illegal, we'll be fine.
1: Exactly right, exactly right. It's still that way to this day. If society was like us, it'd be a better society. They find fault with everybody for any number of reasons. we found fault with no one. The only person we found fault with is those who would not engage. If you won't engage, what are you doing here? Air conditioning has a bright future. Maybe you should go do that. Exactly. But as long as you participate, and you're part of us, you're always part of us. Period. That's what is?
0: One of the things that I found very difficult is I got hurt, Uh, I wound up having multiple surgeries, multiple steel plates and retired at the very young age of 33 and when my career was over, it was over suddenly. I had aspirations in my mind of of going higher than the rank of sergeant and really doing a lot of things to better the life of Baltimore and the police and everything else and it was over and I floundered. I floundered for a few years. We returned to our conversation with the homicide hunter Retired Lieutenant Joe Kenda and author of the book Killer Triggers, we're going to talk about the end of his career, life afterwards, and how he's transitioned into, for lack of better words, this media celebrity. Be sure to look for the Law Enforcement Today radio show all over social media. We're on Facebook. Look for Law Enforcement Today radio show. On MeWe.com, look for Law Enforcement Today radio show. On Twitter, Follow L-E-T Radio Show P-O-1. On Instagram, follow L-E-T Radio Show Podcast. On Rumble, look for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. And on Gab.com, search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Again, our website is L-E-T Radio Show dot com. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Back to our conversation with the Homicide Hunter, retired Lieutenant Joe Kendis, star of the Investigation Discovery Channel series, Homicide Hunter, also author of the book, Killer Triggers. You can find it right now where books are sold or go to Amazon.com or Google Killer Triggers, Joe Kenda and you will find it. Before we went break, we we're talking about the end of my career and I know because I've read a little bit about what shows up online, but I know enough not to believe everything I see about the end of your career. Uh, mine was being severely impacted by marriage, that is, by the stress, the violence, the trauma and how I reacted to it. Was that an issue for you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I had been buried and drowning in violence in a river of death for many years. Mrs. Kenda could see that I was a guy she didn't particularly care for anymore. I had a lot of venom in me, and it had become overwhelming. I had reached my emotional limit, and everything around me was white noise. I've been on the job for 23 years and six months to the day. And I came home on a Friday afternoon and she looked at me in surprise because I never come home on time. I'm always late. And she said, what are you doing here? I live here. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you do. Okay. And I looked at her and I said, I returned. And she was dumbfounded. She said, you what? I retired. It's going to be... Your turn now. The public has had their turn. No, it's
0: your. She started crying. So did I. I I never really quite realized, and my marriage wound up ending uh, because of how it affected me and my inability to handle it better. Uh, But I never really understood until I was retired and I talked to people like my mother and my sisters. Uh, my now ex-wife about how it impacted them the worry and fear alone wasn't so much what I did it was the constant gnawing fear that something, I was going to be killed I was going to be severely injured all those things were a real possibility and it, it kept them up at night and then I didn't make things any better because I was isolating when I came home
1: that's exactly right, I did the same sorts of things one particular evening we had someone go down in the line. And the press always says things like, well, we're not going to release the name of the officer. Well, I was working. And one of my friends called my wife. And just chit-chat. How are you? What's going on? You know, fine, fine, fine. And she finally realized why he was calling. And she said, it's not him, I would know. And he, he's like, oh, God, thanks. Everybody thinks that. Even friends. Mm-hmm that you're in an ugly business. Well, you should know that when you sign up, they give you a gun and a pocket full of bullets. Most places tend not to do that when you get a new job. Just law enforcement.
0: I don't think most people really comprehend, and I, maybe I don't want them to understand how violent the world is, the world where they live. I'd rather they think that, hey, I live... You know Disneyland or nothing bad happens when the reality is right down the street someone's being beaten half to death in their house by a so-called loved one
1: that's exactly right that's exactly right it's it's better off in some cases not knowing what's happening around you and carrying on life is bliss if you're not real intelligent and are not too observant you whistle your way down the street and life is a very good thing you've been around what we've been around it's a different matter and I to this day it's instinct you stay away from people you don't get close to them I didn't need to be distancing for COVID I'm distancing because they're human right Uh, so yeah it's of course it always bothers my wife when I say we're leaving right now what? because something bad is about to happen come on let's go how do you know that? I know let's go and we'd leave
0: wherever we were we're leaving right now
1: well, it is. It's an. It's something that never changes and it never will.
0: I think that comes with the job because I have that, and we served in totally different parts of the United States, and in yep. different roles. I've interviewed so many retired police that they're the exact same way. It's so much so that we. The the joke I have is we'll say I'm damaged goods. They say so am I, and we're okay with it, and we laugh and laugh and laugh.
1: Oh, of course. <laughs> Of course we do. It's uh all part of the uh all part of the mission. I tell young policemen I know, active duty policemen, I said, you know, I was on that wall with you between the good guys and a bad guy, and I loved every minute of it. Yeah. And I'd go back tomorrow. But it's a young man's game. It is and I am no longer young.
0: What a lot of people don't realize too is so many of our law enforcement, our first responders, are really service driven and that when their career is over whether it be by going to full term or retire by injury or whatever it might be there's a big hole for them and you filled that sure. hole by doing I believe was a bus driver job yep I
1: was a school bus driver and a special needs bus I called my
0: bus the Waldorf
1: Hysteria because everybody on it was nuts including me and it was the greatest moment of my life I enjoy I love that job I was the first job I ever had where people were happy to see me. Because no one was ever happy to see me. No. But those kids in that bus were certainly happy. I had one kid who was uh, severely autistic, but he had a game he played. He'd throw his shoe and knock my hat off. I wore a hat when I drove. And the kid was had an arm like Mariano Rivera. I mean, he could put that hat no matter what seat he was in. One shot only. Take it clean and never touch my head. So I started calling him Mariano. And his mother said, why do you call him Mariano? I said, because he's Mariano Rivera. And I told her about it. And then she was upset. I said, don't be upset. It amuses him. And he laughs halfway to school. Good
0: for him. I'm smiling when you tell that story because I think that's the type of people that I get along with the best. The the people who put out these false images and they got it all together. They got the fancy cars and the big mansion, all that stuff. I don't. I don't fit in with them. The people who have Neither issues, I. I fit in with great. Yep, me too.
1: Since I've been in the entertainment business, I've met a lot of these people, and it's like, uh, does anybody know you're out? How did you uh, get to be out here like this? But yeah, of course, I. I stay away from it. I just don't go to these events. I don't. Uh, I don't associate with uh, with people in the entertainment business for the most part. People that are wealthy or people that have too much money. Uh, that's never meant anything to me I mean if I had a simple policy if I had money I spent it if I didn't have it well, I didn't spend it because I didn't have it. That's if a, you were going into law enforcement because you want money, well you're making a huge mistake yeah you're right you didn't get and the memo. now that I've now that I've done all this entertainment stuff and so on, and our financial circumstances have changed beyond our wildest dreams. Old habits die hard. We were walking through Macy's in New York City, Kathy and I. It's a Michael Kors purse, there, a beautiful thing, soft, leather, gorgeous. And she was drawn to it. She said, God, look at that purse, that's just really pretty. She looked at the price it's $300. I said, why don't you get it? She said, I'm not paying $300 for a purse. That's insane. She has a point. And then she looked at me, because uh, I was gonna get it for her, she said, if you buy it, I'll take it back. <laughs> uh, yes, ma'am. Well, he walked on. Uh so yeah, it's just the way things are. Don't you don't change. You don't change. I live in a modest house. I drive a <clears throat> everyday car. She drives an everyday car. And we're like everybody else. Before uh, we study, get... One, one what... funny story. Go ahead. One funny, just take a minute. They send a limousine to take me to the airport all the time when I film. I live in a country area. So all these farmers see this black escalade come down this road and like, My God, who's moved in here? So one day I'm at the mailbox. A guy bails out of his truck. And he says, "I'm the farmer." I said, "Yeah, I've seen you on your tractor. What do you do?" He says, "I said, well, I'm a drug dealer." And the color drained out of the guy's face, and I said, "You know that woman is with me all the The blonde. She's my bodyguard. She carries two nickel-plated .45s in her waistband. Now, if you talk to her, be careful what you say to her because she's usually been drinking. And I didn't see him for six months. And he sees me again. He said, "You son of a..." I say. You were too easy, my man. It was like taking candy from a baby. I had to do it.
0: <laughs> awesome having you on the show. Check out his new book, Killer Triggers. This is uh, retired Lieutenant Joe Kenda, the homicide hunter himself. Thanks so much for being on the show. Very much appreciated. Thanks. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. we got versions for your Android and iPhone devices 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is... LetRadioShow.com That's LetRadioShow.com Be sure to get yours today. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. have got another great guest on your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.